0: Time now to check in with, well, you know he's one of my favourites. He is the Global BC uh, Legislative Bureau Chief, the Chief Political Reporter. Keith Baldry is on the line with us, even on Family Day. I keep pulling you in here, Keith. I I never stop working. There's too much to do. You seriously don't stop working, and today is a very busy day as we prepare for Budget Day tomorrow.
1: Yeah, I'm not ex- not expecting a lot of surprises in the budget. Uh, we basically know what the numbers are going to be because the the NDP, like the Liberals before them, publish a three-year fiscal plan with every budget. So we expect to be a very small, razor-thin surplus, likely less than two or three hundred million dollars. Uh, what I'm going to keep an eye on, uh, Jody, is the uh, the revenue side of the budget. Because right. the spending is pretty well known. I don't think Harold James is going to go on a spending speech. doesn't have the money. It's going to be interesting to see how much money they, they expect to collect in taxation. That will tell us the state of the economy. The economy has been slowing. The economic growth numbers keep dropping from all forecasters, including the government, by about a half a percentage point, And that means less uh, people spending less money, which means less taxes being collected. So I think that's where the interest is going to lie tomorrow.
0: Seems like there are so many little pieces of the budget puzzle that I'm curious about like the land transfer taxes have to be going down Rather exponentially, given the change in how our housing market is no longer being used as a stock market, frankly.
1: Yeah, yeah, according to the fiscal plan, they they expect it to be flatlining $1.9 billion. But you're right. It's hard to see how that's not going to drop. It's hard to see how uh, more than a billion dollars is going to come in from the forestry industry when the Mm -hmm. forestry industry is in absolute crisis. Sales tax, you would assume it would go down because people are spending less right now because there's just not as much economic activity. So the numbers would seem to be going down rather than up Uh, up on most taxation lines. And who knows, maybe there's a a tax increase tomorrow that we're unaware of. Wouldn't be surprised if a half a point was added to either the small business tax or the corporate uh, income tax. I have no knowledge whether that's going to happen or not, but that's always a possibility for a finance minister who's sort of getting close to the line of tipping into deficit based on the last quarterly report we saw.
0: And what about ICBC being a part of this?
1: Well, it's part of the budget, but Rick McCandless, uh, for, who has intervener status at the uh, Utilities Commission, who's a former senior civil servant, just put a paper out today saying, ICBC's internal uh, finances should not affect the government's bottom line, positively or negatively. Nevertheless, it does show up as a line item, a negative line item uh, for the last couple years uh, affecting the government's bottom line. I think it's an accounting argument more than anything, but that aside, in the last budget they had projected this year, this current fiscal year that's going to end... Uh, March thirty first, that ICBC would shave about a billion dollars off the bottom line in terms of lo- getting rid of those losses, and uh, it will be interesting tomorrow whether or not they've abandoned that uh, that prediction or whether they're sticking to it. That's a lot of money, and we have yet to see evidence that that's actually going to happen.
0: Can you give us an idea of your sort of roadmap for tomorrow? Because you go into lockup, right?
1: We're going to lock up at around eight thirty nine a.m. Uh, for anybody who's never been on the wonderful thing known as a lockup, you get your cell phone taken away, uh, you get a stack of budget documents, and you've got nothing to do for the next five hours uh, till two o'clock but study the budget, which means you fill your head full of, of figures. There's experts in there from the, from the civil service deputy ministers and assistant deputy ministers to walk you through some, some of the intricacies. Carol James, the finance minister comes in around 10 AM and gives, gives a presentation she comes back around noon and has a news conference. On the other side of the wall is, uh, what are called the stakeholders, which are all the interest groups from business groups to unions, uh, to accounting associations who all are given the lock uh, their own lockup, uh, And the only thing that's uh, evolved over the years, Jody, is the food gets marginally better (laughs) every year. (laughs) <laughs> in terms of sandwiches and, and healthy things. <laughs>
0: well, look at them taking care of you to make sure. But, uh, I mean, what does, well, Keith thing- ba- what does Keith Baldry do without his phone? How am I going to reach you tomorrow when you're locked up for exactly when I'm on the air filling in for Simi here?
1: Yeah, it's quite a void that has to be filled. One thing we're going to be interested in tomorrow, Jody, is what happens to protesters mm. tomorrow? Do they mm. show up at the legislature with an injunction in place? I just talked to Speaker Daryl Plarkus, just ran into him. He doesn't think anything's going to happen here at the Ledge. But we did talk about what, what happens if they decide to have a demonstration at the lockup, which is at the convention center, because Carol James and government officials are going to be in there. Uh, it'll be interesting whether or not... The, I don't think they try to blockade that, because it also includes the Empress Hotel, and I don't think you can block blockade a private hotel like that. But uh, that's the other side story tomorrow that may develop. No idea whether that's going to happen or not, but that's another thing we're keeping our eye on.
0: Well, and that's a fascinating piece of this puzzle, because Darryl Plekis says, for those who uh, hadn't heard, Darryl Plekis was able to secure that sweeping injunction. You broke that news as you uh, uh grab that document from the courthouse is there what's the mood around the ledge uh with regard to that to the security staff and, and employees now?
1: Still a little, little apprehension. I was down here yesterday uh, in the afternoon talking to security, and um, they're, they're reasonably confident n- nothing's going to happen, but they are mindful that it could. And uh, they're happy the injunction's in place, uh, but people are still a little rattled from what happened last week in terms of the office staff. I'm talking to people on Friday and this morning. People are still sort of shook up over, over what happened. They hope it doesn't happen again. I don't think it will because that injunction, as you say, is very sweeping in its powers. And the police, which includes security here at the legislature, have the immediate power to the power to immediately arrest someone who's trying to block the entrances. So I don't think that's going to happen tomorrow, but uh, there's still a little apprehension out there.
0: And BC Ferries was on with us earlier today. Uh, They have the preemptive injunction Mm -hmm. to ensure that things continue to move as far as ferries and and no blockades at any of the terminals. Are we going to, do you think, see more preemptive injunctions moving forward here?
1: I think uh, various institutions would be wise to secure them. Now, these are not guarantees that nothing's going to happen. People can defy injunctions and pay the penalty for them. We've seen that in the past. Uh, that's what happened up in uh, in uh, Wasolitan w- territory yeah, that, in that Houston, started this yeah. whole thing. They defied the injunction, they got arrested, and now it's spread. Uh, I'm not sure where we're headed on this, Jody. We're into a whole different new frontier here when it comes to protesting and blockades, and injunctions may not be enough to stop this, and ma- neither may be mass arrests. I mean, People just keep coming and line on the line. And, and uh, this has become more than a Wet'suwet'en uh, natural gas pipeline fight. This is j- basically a fight about all pipelines because the environmental movement has moved into this and taken advantage of the, the climate out there to, uh, to assert their influence and control over this spreading protest. Now they've tied up a bridge uh, in Ontario between the U.S. and Canada. So this is spreading rather than shrinking.
0: And uh, Keith, I want to talk to you specifically about sort of how the elected officials are... Reacting to or perhaps speaking about, carefully worded speaking about, mm-hmm. these uh, coastal gas link uh, p- pipeline protests and the dis- disputes surrounding the Wet'suwet'en, um, what, what are you seeing and, and what do you think about Justin Trudeau's uh, travel plans changing?
1: Well, it was smart to kill the Barbados trip. That looked uh, terrible optics. It was reminiscent of the Australian Prime Minister, you know, being in Hawaii during the wildfires, ravaging that country. No, politicians have to be at home to deal with this type of thing. Having said that, I'm not sure exactly what Justin Trudeau or John Horgan can do about this situation. It's one thing to say we're going to resolve this through negotiations, but... Uh, there's no evidence that the other side's willing to negotiate. As I say, this has morphed into a much bigger protest than just the West Sowetan um, fight against that gas pipeline. It's now got other parties on this protest. You see leaders of the environmental activist movement now taking charge of this. Uh, so I don't think uh, negotiations are necessarily going to resolve this. And then you flip it on the other side, okay, let's go arrest everyone. I'm not sure a confrontation which could lead to an Oka-like situation, <coughs> at least in Ontario, uh, is good for anyone. either. But uh, this is starting to have a, a dire economic impact on the country. I, I don't think a lot of people realize just how much of our the stuff we consume on a daily basis actually arrives via train or uh, tankers and, and uh, tanker t- uh, uh, cargo ships. And it's uh, it's when we see blockades of ports and rail lines, you're basically grinding the economy to a halt. But Short of mass arrests or some miracle on a negotiating table, this thing's going to go on for some time.
0: So politically, Keith, and pardon my naivete here, but um, watching news reports a week ago uh, in Paris, let's say, I mean, where the Yellow Vest uh, movement really exploded, um, there were literal um, police officers firing water cannons at firefighters, in a protest in a mm-hmm. clash of police I would never imagine seeing police fighting firefighters who are are, are protesting for better working conditions and then like th- seeing that kind of clash that kind of throwdown and we're so far the other end of the spectrum with this we we need to have the dialogue there are some really frustrated people in in between what what happens when the general public? Because the frustration that I'm sure you see on social media, we see in our email inboxes here on the on the radio station um, computers, that people are frustrated. Like, I'm are you concerned that they might take matters into their own hands if law enforcement doesn't step up?
1: Well, oh, I think that has to be a real concern. I worry that someone's going to just lose it yeah. uh, on one of these blockades. If, if For instance, if Cambie and Broadway were to be shut down again for an extended period of time, I worry that someone would just sort of lose it while they're driving the car and, and just lose all sense of, of uh, proportion and reality and do something stupid. I think that remains a possibility. And the police are going to have to w- take that into account as well, as their chief responsibility right now is ensuring there's public safety. They've got to, at some point, be aware that public safety may be jeopardized if there's a prolonged blockade or or stoppage of something that uh, will infuriate the public there's no easy answer here though we're in uncharted territory with these mass type of, of protests uh, these are not orderly necessarily protests where everybody gathers in an agreed uh, space whether it's you know the front of the art gallery or the legislature right this goes beyond that this is sort of a, akin to a guerrilla army moving on uh, with no notice whatsoever from place to place to place uh, and staying there for either a short period of time to move on to somewhere else or for an extended period of time. And and again, short of mass arrests, which could lead to an ugly confrontation that could get violent, or a miracle at a negotiating table, uh, I just don't see how this ends. Right now, those five hereditary chiefs of the Wissowatin are probably the most powerful people in in Canada right now, because only they can resolve this at the table. And uh, so far, this has been going on for 10 years. It's hitting a crescendo, and there's no reason to think it's going to be solved through negotiations.
0: So reiterate for those who don't really understand what those five hereditary chiefs Chiefs mean, what that equation,
1: the five of 13. Five of 13, uh, increasingly you're seeing more Wissowatin voices speak up in favor of the project, saying we, are, we want to share in the prosperity here. Eloquent people like Candace George, who's emerged as one of the, the chief spokespeople for uh, Wissowatin, other than the hereditary chiefs. Saying that she has much right to speak, and that more people support the project than oppose it. But right now, given the governance structure of Wasowatin, uh those five hereditary chiefs are the key to solving this thing.
0: I asked Gord McDonald earlier the same question because it's our hot question of the day. I know there's been a debate on social media. It's more semantics than anything else. But they are the protesters would prefer if we call them land defenders. Uh, your thoughts on land defender versus protester versus? Can we just find a resolution here?
1: Well, I was at the at the pro- protest here at the legislature, and the protesters were calling themselves protesters. Uh, some of them were calling themselves land defenders. But um, I think uh, protesters is a neutral term. It's, it is a protest. It's not necessarily... And it, particularly when the only people, who I think, can call themselves land defenders are actually Wasoton people. Um, and that does not include the vast majority of the people who are for instance, at the legislature last week. Most of those people seem to be university students and not members from of that particular First Nation. So for now, our style guide says it's pro. Protest- testers and uh, i don't see any reason to change that one more question
0: for you when i was speaking with hereditary chief namox last week who is one of the hereditary chiefs one of the five um he was on his way to the the smoke after the planning meeting and not an all all clan meeting but a gathering and and he was saying that the big uh issue for what um, hereditary chiefs and elected chiefs is to resolve what is happening in northern BC and 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 take care of that the, the showdown between RCMP and with people um, sort of at that blockade point and then he was mentioning because Coastal Gas Gaslink on their website says we've offered two alternate routes and Chief Namox actually said well we've also offered two alternate routes that that Coastal Gaslink turned down what do you know of that.
1: Well, I think there's some confusion there. Uh, Coastal Gas says if you greatly vary the route, this project becomes vastly more, uh, expensive and presents new environmental uh, hazards and challenges that aren't, don't exist with this current pipeline. I think that side of the argument hasn't been delved deep enough for, by anyone yet. And maybe that's where a resolution lies, a mm. compromise on the route. Uh, and I think we're at the be- sort of at the beginning of revisiting that particular conversation that was ho- basically halted a number of years ago, uh, but n- nobody's really been talking about it for a good five years. Maybe they go back and discuss that as an option, as a a little, the compromise obviously is required to end this thing. But uh, I don't see an end in sight anytime soon.
0: Well, very much appreciate you doing this on what should be your family day vacay holiday. Keith Baldry here with us on the Simi Sarah show. Uh, I'll be posting the the whole link of our discussion if you're curious, if you just joined us, if you just tuned in, because lots was learned there. As always with Keith Baldry, you should uh, follow him on Twitter at Keith Baldry. He is my favorite follow on Twitter.